In every stage of life, there are critical decisions to make. You know that as well as I do. Some of them are very simple decisions. Decisions about what to wear or what to drive. Really aren't that critical, but they're ones that we make almost on a regular basis. There are other decisions that are a little bit more difficult. Decisions about what I do for a living or where I live. And there are other decisions that are absolutely profound and life-changing. Your decision for Christ, your decision about what you do with your life, your decision about how you'll die and when you'll die and where you'll die. All of those aspects of life are absolutely foundational to who we are. Some very simple, some incredibly profound. This morning I want to begin a three-week series, a very short series on marriage and family relationships. I want to springboard off of what Bill talked about a few moments ago when the kids that had the opportunity to go to the Dominican Republic. I want to talk about that and them and use today as a platform to talk to you, the CAC family, about why we put so much effort into children and youth ministries here at Community Alliance Church. None of it's ever done to the detriment of any other age group at all. But it's just the most critical years of an individual's life and most of the critical decisions of a person's life are made before that person reaches age 30. Think about your life for a moment. Think about the major decisions you made in life. Your decision for a career, your decision for a mate, your decision where you live, your decision for Christ. When you think back over those decisions, the majority of those decisions were made before an individual reached age 30. Statistics tell us that many of the decisions are made before they reach the teen years. George Barna, in his information that he shared a number of years ago, says that most of the moral foundations of a child's life are chosen or developed between ages 9 and 10. 85% of the decisions that are made for Christ are made by age 18. Lifelong choices in their faith structure and their moral foundation is laid out between those teen years. Most of them really, at that point, very seldom will ever change their moral foundation beyond those formative years of their lives. The moral values of an individual are usually set in place between ages 10 and 20. Most career choices are made during those critical years. Almost all of life's decisions and major issues and challenges are presented to an individual between ages 10 and 30 in that 20-year short span of life. Most choose a mate before age 30. Add to that this powerful statement that was made at our annual council by Ravi Zacharias, well-known apologetist and author, and he said this, the ultimate test of any civilization is what we do with our children. The ultimate test of any generation is what we do with our children. And you understand how critical those years become. That's why Nikita Khrushchev said years ago, give me a child till he's seven, he'll be a communist for life. The Jesuit motto says, give me a child unto a seven, I will then give you the man. Think back of your own life. How many of you made those critical decisions in that short span of life? Your decision for Christ, most of us in this room, made that decision for Christ before age 30. Your college, and you know as I know, many of them have already chosen their college, some have already left. Some of them are in this last of their senior year and are trying to choose what college they're going to go to. And that, that college choice sets a pattern for most of the rest of their life. 
Many of them find their mate there. Many of them choose their career there. Your moral decisions, right or wrong, are normally tested and challenged during those years. How many bad decisions did you and I make as teenagers that we wish we would have never made? No hands? No, I'm asking. <laughs> and maybe some of us are still paying for them. A number of months ago, I sat in a seminar, read talk by Rick Mann, who's the president of Crown College, one of a, the Alliance's colleges, and he shared a lot of information about those critical years, and I began to think about what we do here at Community Alliance Church. He shared why he spent all of his life and has invested all of his life's juices into that short span of time between high school and college years for students. Why he made that decision a long time ago to spend all of his life and the rest of his life in that short span of life because so many critical decisions are made in an individual's life during those short years. As I began to think about that and what we do here at Community Alliance, and it's not, again, as I said, to the detriment of any other age group, I am well beyond that age group. I mean, I hear the other day when I walk into a store when he said the senior citizen discount, and I said, at what age? And he said, 55, and I'm going, I qualify for crying out loud. <laughs> so many of the important decisions of life are made during that span of life and so much of what we do and so much of what we have the opportunity to do to shape the next generation are done here and what we do here at Community Alliance Church. There are hundreds of kids that God has placed within our reach that we can have an impact on. Bill shared this morning, did a wonderful job following up that video of the lives of the kids that had the opportunity to see their lives in front of them transformed by the experiences they had during those few, week, few days there. We have over 600 children in our birth K to kindergarten database. We have over 100 children in our 5th and 6th grade database, 150 in our 7th and 8th grade database, over 120 in our 9th to 12th database. Do you realize that God has placed almost 1,000 students in front of us? Listen to those numbers. Almost 1,000 students in those categories that I mentioned ago. God continues to bring in and out of our doors on a regular basis here at Community Alliance Church. God has blessed us with an amazing staff. Connie and Michelle, who do our children's ministry, if you don't know who they are, as Bill introduced himself this morning, realizing that a lot of the folks at our church don't even know who our staff is, but Connie and Michelle, who do our children's ministries, Brent, who does our fifth and sixth grade ministry, Brent is like the Pied Piper. Those kids will follow him everywhere he goes and anywhere he goes. Anything he asks them to do, they will do. Keith Kozik does our... Uh, our, our seventh and eighth grade ministry on Thursday night, TNL. Those kids love him. He is so passionate about discipleship, so passionate about seeing these students understand all that's in front of them and all that God's going to do in their life and all the challenges they're going to face. And he pours his life and his energy into these students. Bill, our youth pastor that you saw a moment ago, has been doing youth ministry for almost 27 years. From what I understand, the longest living youth pastor in the history of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. God has blessed us in amazing ways with these people. 
And I know you say I'm biased and I'm prejudiced because I serve with them and, and I, I'm married to one of them. I'm not married to the rest of them, but I love them just as much. Well, Bill and I spent a, a weekend together once, but that's another story. <laughs> These are amazing people that God has blessed us with and they do a phenomenal job. And they offer excellent ministries and events. But we only have them one to two hours a week. Those 1,000 students that God has blessed us with who come into our doors off and on on Sunday night and Wednesday night and Thursday night and on a weekend event and experience things like this. We only had them one to two, sometimes maybe three hours a week. A few weeks ago when Dr. Bear was here and I again appreciate the opportunity that you gave me to allow him to come and to share his information. I was amazed by the statistics that were on the screen about the opportunities that we find our kids being inundated with. 63,000 hours in front of the media. And you can see it go down. If you weren't here that day, he did a phenomenal presentation on why it's so important for us to understand the influence of the media. But when you look at those hours and you recognize from 63 hours to 11,000 hours in school and 2,000 with parents and only 800 in church, you see how limited we are and why we're so desperate at times to ask for your help. The inserts this morning, the video that was showed with what Connie does in the, in the uh, family ministries and the family experience once a month and the need we have and the help we need, we can't do it without you. But even with all of our ministries and all of our best personnel, with incredible gifts and unbelievable talents, we can do only so much. The bulk of the responsibility lies with you and I as parents. We find ourselves saying, then what can I do? I'm glad you ask. I want you to turn your Bibles quickly this morning to Deuteronomy chapter 4 and chapter 6. Old Testament, we haven't been there for a while. Going to do a series on Nehemiah in a few weeks starting at the end of September that I'm really excited about. And we'll spend a, probably about three, four months there at Tops. But Deuteronomy, near the beginning of the Old Testament, <coughs> has some incredible things to say to us as parents. Deuteronomy 4 says this, Israel, listen. Hear the decrees and the laws that I'm about to teach you. Follow them so that you can live and may go into take possession of the land the Lord your God has given you. Don't add to what I command you. Don't subtract from it. Keep those commands that I have given you. Observe them carefully, for this will show that you're wise and understanding. It'll show that to all the nations who hear about all the things that you've done. Surely this is a great nation, they will say, who is wise and understanding. What other nation is as great to have the gods near them the way the Lord your God is near you and near us whenever we pray? And what other nation is so great to have such righteous decrees and laws? As a body of laws that I'm setting before you, but be careful, verse 9. And watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade so that your heart may live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Remember the day the Lord stood before you when he said, assemble the people before me to hear my words so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and then they may teach that to their children. Deuteronomy 6, verses 5 to 7 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today will be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Key phrases that come out of that. Some of the same verses that Rick Mann uses to why he pours his whole life and energy 
into college students and those who had the opportunity to see the changes in front of them. One is this, number one, you need to challenge your kids in a very compelling way to embrace a lifelong relationship with the living God. Moses said it there again in Deuteronomy chapter 6, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then impress that onto your children. The best way that your kids can be serious about their faith is that the faith of their parents is obvious and evident. The best way to get your kids serious about their faith is for parents to get serious about their own faith. You cannot win them with an argument of the mind. You can win them when you connect to their soul. Which is why the Proverbs writer said, train up a child according to their bent, which means you understand them. You know the differences and the diversity that God has placed within each child. And you know how to connect with them and reach them where they are. But you also understand this incredible importance of being able to model in front of them what it is that they need to do and how they need to live. Believe it or not, the number one influence still on children is parents. When you encourage them to other events or sports events or other events over church activities, you are making a statement to them about what's more important. And yet so many parents seem to do that. They'll have their kids choose other things over this critical opportunity that we have in this short amount of time to make a difference in their life, making those other things then seem more important than what God's doing here or what we can do with them in a short span of time. It's also critical for you and I as parents to be able to influence them in every way we possibly can as the, Psalm, or the Proverbs writer reminds us as well as Moses does in Deuteronomy to talk to them about the issues of life. For whatever reason, so many parents fail. Rick found it out when he finds these kids coming to college. That so many parents fail or feel uncomfortable talking to their kids about some of the most critical topics of their life. Topics about money and what to do with it. Topics about religion, politics, and sex. We say those are the ones we don't discuss. Those are the ones they need to know about. They need to understand how to utilize their money, what it's going to do to them, how short and... Fleeting it is. They need to understand about religious ideas and religious diversity and how to be able to make some really strong decisions that are life decisions. That there really is only one way to heaven. Even though they may hear in a college environment that there's a number of ways, there is only one and why that one is so critical that they made that decision for. They need to understand about sexual relationships and the importance of purity. Talked to a girl the other couple of months ago. I was fascinated, not a heavy spiritual foundation in her life, but talk to me about this solid decision that she'd made based on the influence of other people here to stay morally pure and sexually pure prior to marriage. And I was so proud of her, the tears raced down my eyes when I talked to her. And so few make that decision. I'm telling you, and I've said it before, and I see a dad here this morning, I won't point him out, but He's lived his life based on his premise that if you don't put your stamp or impression on your kids, someone else will. I say to dads all the time, if you don't hug your kids, someone will. Hug appropriately, of course, but if you don't show them love and attention and affection, they need your instruction, they need your attention, but they need your affection. And it's an opportunity that you and I have as parents to mold and shape this next generation. Now, sadly, statistically speaking, That generation that I mentioned a moment ago is one of the largest generations that are leaving the church. Mainly because they fail to find churches that are relevant, alive, meaningful, and influential. So I'm so thrilled to be a part of this church and all that God's doing. One of the things that 
uh, Justin and I constantly keep in mind as we plan our worship services and the kind of worship we want to do. It's not about style. Christians have argued style for centuries. Reading a book that uh, Bob Kaufman wrote called Worship Matters. He says in 16th century, Martin Luther put songs out and said if anyone doesn't like them or sing anything but his songs, they're less than human. In the 1800s, they argued about what kind of services, and people would actually walk out of the service if they sang anything else but a psalm set to music and argued over songs written by Isaac Watts. It's gone on forever. Surely, surely we want the generation behind us and the generations that come behind us to stay connected to our church and to be a part of what God's doing here. Sometimes the flip side of that discussion is that many of our students see TNL and E56 and SNL as their church was as awesome. Sometimes they may not make a transition into the Sunday morning experience if we don't get them connected to that. And to be really honest with you, as much as that has to do with, with what we offer, it has more to do with what you encourage as parents. Now to that college age group for a moment, I know many of them have left but I just need you to be reminded that your values, standards, and beliefs are going to be tested to the nth degree, to the very core of what you believe. So you have to know what it is as you go out into that world. And I am also giving you a warning. You abandon your belief in God, and something will always fill that vacuum. You abandon your belief in God, and something will always fill Fill that vacuum. You remove the thing inside you that sustains you and holds you together, which is only God, and you either fill it with the wrong things or honestly collapse and implode. One of the most amazing characters to me in the Old Testament is a young man by the name of Daniel who was thrust into the most wicked environment anyone can imagine. You can read his story in the book of Daniel. But one of the verses that was my guiding verse when I was in high school and one of the verses that, I've, that stood out to me all of my life is Daniel 1.8 when he said, I have chosen not to defile myself. Regardless of the environment, and in his case, thrown into Babylon in a most wicked, amazing environment that anyone could have ever imagined. But he said, I've made a decision not to defile myself at age 15 or 17 years old. And he kept that decision and it made his decisions from that point on solid for the rest of his life. Some say that the real test of parenthood is not what our children are when they're with us, but what they become when they're gone. Do baby dedications on a regular basis, and I've often thought it really ought to be called a parental dedication. The baby has no idea what's going on. But parents have the opportunity to be reminded to hear me say words about, do you promise that you'll do this, that you'll raise your kid and your child in a godly environment, that you'll be able to bring them to the church, that you'll pray over your son, pray over your daughter on a regular basis, emulate in front of them what it means to be a godly individual. And every single one of them said yes. Not a person standing up here said, can we get back to you and we'll let you know? They all say yes. It's like this couple that stands before me at every wedding say, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, sure. Until they're poor and broken. And then they don't know what to do. This mom and dad dedication is an opportunity to bring our children up in the way God wants us to and to be able to recognize that he is the source of all, their bless- all our blessings. What they see in us, they'll emulate, whether we believe that or not. Moses said, if you want to build a spiritual foundation under your children, you've got to model it. He says you've got to do it on a regular basis, on a consistent basis. When you're at home, when you walk, when you see God's creativity in the morning, when you're driving on the way to school, 
when you're sharing with them at bedtime, you've got to fill their emotional tank and build their self-esteem. Help them understand how loved they are by God, how great they are in God's sight, how gifted they are and how unique they are. To be able to encourage them to take advantage of all the things that God has blessed us with. To allow them to get involved in those ministries and activities. To you yourself as a parent get involved. If anybody ought to know what it's like to show unconditional love, it ought to be us in the Christian family. A love that's not guided by performance or behavior. A love based on who they are, not what they do. A love they can see, a love they can hear, a love they can touch, a love they can feel. Moses said it has to be visual. They have to see it. Where you visually show your child your values, where they see you pray, where they hear you pray, where they see you in the word of God. They develop their positive and negative values based on what they see. Remember, if we're going to impact the next generation, number one way to do that is to be impacted and fall in love with God. Fall so in love with God and the likelihood of them being willing to do the same is exponentially more than when we don't. What's important to you and I will be important to them. Caution Moses gives us here <coughs> as you continue to read those verses is it will somehow be so satisfied that we'll take God's blessings for granted. We'll have so much and do so much and have so much to offer that at some point along the way we'll take all of God's blessings for granted. And he said, when you do, that'll be the downfall of your nation. Not only that generation, the next generation, not only you as an individual, that will be the downfall of the nation. I go back to Ravi Zacharias' words. The critical, most unbelievable time and the difference, the ultimate test of any generation, the ultimate test of any civilization is what we do with our children. We offer some incredible ministries here. We need your support, your encouragement. Obviously, as Bill said this morning, you do that so amazingly well. We do that for this reason. Not because one generation is more important than another or one age group is more important than another. Because so many of the critical decisions of life that set the stage for the rest of their life are made during those years. Don't you want to know that we've done our absolute best to help them through the process? And as parents... We're doing it as well so that they can see the God we love and adore and know they're going to follow that because they've seen it in us. Let's pray. Father, I watched that video this morning and I saw the looks on the kids. If they had the opportunity to watch another culture and younger children follow them and imitate them and share some time with them and spend some uh, of, the, of their hard-earned money and their investment and, and their summer with these students and I'm so unbelievably grateful that the opportunity was there. Three years from now seems so far away and a whole other age group will have the, the chance to participate in one of those but I'm so thankful that we did. I'm so grateful for the people that you've called us to minister to. I, I, I'm still overwhelmed when I just see the numbers of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of students that you entrust into our care. May we be incredible stewards of that trust. I thank you for this unbelievably gifted staff that you have entrusted to us and for the people that I just have the privilege with of serving with on a regular basis. For every parent in this room this morning who so desperately wants to see their next generation make good decisions, solid decisions, life decisions that impact their whole life. 
encourage them, walk with them, give them um, the tenacity to make it, to, to do what's necessary, to be everything that, that they can be to this next generation, to fall head over heels in love with God, knowing that that will impact the next generation who walks behind them. So bless them as we continue our ministries, as we serve you, as we kick off a fall program that is filled with activities and events. May you be glorified in all of that. And as we partner together as parents and students and personnel and ministries, may we just see a phenomenal year of kids' lives who are literally transformed forever because of how we partner together and what we've learned together. Bless us, we ask, in the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for your kind attention. We'll see you next Sunday morning. You can help us out in our ministries. We appreciate that fall registration. Next Sunday, marriage and why it's so critical. We'll see you then. Mm-hmm.